KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, April 29th. One million San Diegans vaccinated. But what comes next? We'll have more on that just after the headlines. District 2 Supervisor Joel Anderson claims his East County district is a dumping ground for sexually violent predators released from state custody. At a news conference on Wednesday, Anderson was joined by constituents who say the state isn't following the law that dictates the placement of sex offenders. Anderson says his fellow supervisors could help find an equitable solution to the problem by reconvening the Sex Offender Management Council, which hasn't met since 2019. The San Diego Police Department, in tandem with local businesses, is launching the Safe Place program. It's an effort aimed at helping the LGBTQ community feel safe and supported. Participating businesses will put up stickers on their storefronts, identifying themselves as a place that victims of hate crimes can go for safe haven and to get help from authorities. The program is starting in Hillcrest and North Park and other nearby neighborhoods. In time, resources are expected to support the Asian American and Pacific Islander community as well. The Tijuana River Valley Regional Park Campground opened on Wednesday in the South Bay. County officials say the site will be protected from flooding or sewage issues that have been a problem in the area in the past. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. One million San Diego County residents are now fully vaccinated, but KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman says vaccine demand is waning and officials are getting creative. The fact that we've reached over a million vaccinations is a Herculean feat. Progress on the vaccination front, but at the same time, County Public Health Officer Dr. Wilma Wooten says for the first time, demand for vaccinations is now falling, bringing us to a sort of crossroads. Things are not going to stay constant, so as Uh, the temperament of the general public changes, our strategies must change. County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says health officials are now stepping up outreach efforts. We're ramping up all of our uh, engagement with various sectors. Officials are trying to make it easier to get vaccinated, not requiring appointments at some sites, working to extend hours at locations to 8 p.m., and the possibility of a 24-hour site for those who cannot get vaccinated during the day. We always knew uh, at some point we would, uh, the folks very motivated would get it, Uh, You know, we think there's still plenty of San Diegans who 
are open and willing to get a vaccine, uh, we just have to work a little bit harder to, uh, to make it a little bit uh, easier to access. Overall, San Diego County is about halfway toward its goal of having 75% of residents 16 and over fully vaccinated by mid-July. That goal uh, population is just for the 16 years of age and older. We will have to readjust and modify that when uh, vaccine is available for the population of 12 to 15 years of age. Officials have also aligned local health orders with new CDC guidance that says those vaccinated do not need to wear masks outside unless in large crowds. And today in Mission Beach, we saw lots of people without face coverings and some that still had them. This is the guidance that's out there and we trust that the overwhelming majority of folks will follow it. Um, and, you know, look, I, I get there's a little frustration. Folks are like, I got vaccinated. Why do I still need to wear my mask at all? Outreach efforts for youth are also being increased, too. And Supervisor Nora Vargas says pilot programs that help vaccinate hard-hit South Bay communities are now being implemented in the North County. We're going to continue to ask all of you to um, share with your family and friends. Uh, ask them to take, get their vaccines. At the county's 20 or so vaccination sites, there are now a limited number of doses set aside each day for walk-ups. But other sites like superstations and healthcare providers are still requiring appointments. And that was KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman. A new study by researchers at UC San Diego found that individuals identifying as Republicans became more skeptical about getting a COVID-19 vaccine or any vaccines over the course of the pandemic. The same study found that from March to August of 2020, Republicans also grew less trusting of the media. Over the same time period, Democrats' views on the two topics remain the same. The report gave a possible explanation for the differing viewpoints. Republicans and Democrats got their news from different sources. Court orders that restrict the actions of people identified as gang members are known as gang injunctions. These injunctions have been used by prosecutors in San Diego for years, but criminal justice reform advocates have been calling for an end to gang injunctions. They say they target black and brown young men and stigmatize those who may have left gangs. On Tuesday, San Diego County DA Summer Steffen said that her office is moving to eliminate these injunctions. She says that after consulting with with law enforcement, she believes the injunctions do not play a significant role in maintaining public safety. Genevieve Jones-Wright is a member of San Diego's Commission on Gang Prevention and Intervention. She spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Cavanaugh about the injunctions. Here's that interview. Why do you think San Diego needed to get rid of gang injunctions? Well, you hit on the aspects of the injunctions that are completely unfair in your initial introduction. Um, I think that we have to use stronger language more than just outdated. I think that these gang injunctions target certain communities. There are certainly racist motives behind these gang injunctions and the neighborhoods that are subject to them. There are 22 active gang injunctions throughout our county and six in the city of San Diego. All of the injunctions are in communities where the predominant community members are black and brown. And what we see with these injunctions is that people are prohibited from doing innocent things like wearing certain jerseys, certain colors, and even numbers. 
And more importantly, they're restricted from being with family. And these injunctions have been on the books since the 90s, no expiration dates. So people have been subject to these injunctions for years and years, some of whom have never committed crimes, but have very innocent actions being curtailed and being a part of injunctions that outwardly tell the public that they're gang members when many are not. And we've seen the devastating effects relate to employment implications. You you touched on the subject that I wanted to speak more about, that these gang injunctions have been seen as another symptom of systematic racism in law enforcement. Can you explain why that is? Absolutely. Again, these injunctions are not a part of any communities where there would be so-called white gangs. In the county of San Diego, there is no quote unquote white gang who is included in the Cal Gang database, which tracks gangs. And so all of gang documentation primarily targets black and brown people, members of the AAPI community. We know that there are gangs in our region that are not black, brown, or Asian, and yet they're not being treated the same way. So it is as well with injunctions. When injunctions came on the scene, they were in neighborhoods in Vista, in Oceanside, and in southeastern San Diego. And so you can see where certain community members are being targeted. I remember being a young attorney before I was ever a public defender, and my first cases We're dealing with these injunctions because my neighborhood was subject to an injunction. And in fact, my neighborhood was subject to the very first gang injunction in the city of San Diego. And that was back in 1998. What we see with these injunctions is that certain community members are prohibited from coming back to the neighborhoods where they grew up. They're prohibited from visiting their own kids, which was actually a subject matter of a case that I defended where a father was violated for visiting his toddler daughter. And this was said to be in violation of a gang injunction. And the city attorney of San Diego actually brought charges against him. And so these are the things that we see with these gang injunctions and just some of the effects, but they're absolutely detrimental. And the effects of the injunctions also serve to do things that redlining had done back when redlining was in effect de facto and also de jure. Now, yesterday on Twitter, you talked about feeling like your work on getting rid of gang injunctions was not recognized with this announcement, that officials were taking credit for this reform. Can you say more on that? Absolutely. A lot of times we hear members of law enforcement, specifically law enforcement, but other elected officials and city officials all over talk about fostering community trust. I felt that this was a betrayal of the community because for years, community members, like members of the gang commission on which I sit, community organizations like Pillars of the Community and also the Coalition on Police Accountability and Transparency have been working, trying to get an elimination of all gang injunctions. And we've been met with the same opposition from the very officials who are now touting that this is their victory. And without giving a nod to the community, it's very hard to say that you want to foster community trust when you completely erase the work of the community. 
Also, I believe it's a slap in the face of the community to release these press releases and have these press conferences in the manner in which they did yesterday, not only not acknowledging community work over several years, but completely disregarding the work and not owning up to the fact that they were completely opposed to the efforts and were personal hurdles to the elimination of gang injunctions. This could have been done years ago. This should have been done years ago. And those same officials that we see touting the elimination of gang injunctions are the very same people who worked against that very effort. And I think is disingenuous. Well, two officials who have praised the decision are Mayor Todd Gloria and Councilwoman Monica Montgomery Stepp. And they, of course, Mayor Gloria has put forward the idea of, of more police reforms and more prosecutorial reforms. What do you think should be next on the list of those San Diego police reforms? I believe that we need a complete ban on pretextual traffic stops where an officer can stop a driver for a minor or traffic violation and is able to investigate a separate and completely unrelated suspected criminal offense. Pretextual stops allow police officers very wide discretion in whom they choose to stop and what reasons they use to justify the traffic stop. As well, we need a ban on consent searches. Consent searches are searches that do not necessitate an officer having probable cause which is the legal standard for officers to engage in a search of a person or a person's property. With consent searches, an officer simply needs to ask whether they can do a search. And what we see with consent searches are that a lot of community members do not feel that they're able to say no. And so we really have coerced consent searches. But this A ban on consent searches would also cut down on racial profiling. Our law enforcement agencies across the county have got to stop being first responders as it relates to substance abuse issues, issues that relate to mental health and also homelessness. We have got to reimagine public safety and policing on a grander scale. I am happy for these small steps, but we've got to take bigger ones in order to dismantle a system that preys on Black, Indigenous, and people of color. That was Genevieve Jones-Wright, a member of San Diego's Commission on Gang Prevention and Intervention. She was speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. Coming up, the San Diego Zoo is close to opening a couple of new high-tech exhibits. The challenging part is the complexity. Um, it's not four walls, a roof. It's not we've done this before. Let's just repeat that construction process. That's next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. 
Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. It's been more than two years since the Children's Zoo closed for major renovation at the San Diego Zoo. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson says there's new hummingbird and Komodo dragon exhibits that highlight new and sustainable technologies. This corner of the zoo is a bundle of activity. Construction crews are working to get the old Children's Zoo area ready for visitors. The southeast corner of the zoo has been closed since February 2019. The Children's Zoo isn't the only renovation project underway here. Crews are putting finishing touches on a new sustainable hummingbird habitat. Curator of birds David Rimlinger says San Diego is among only a handful of zoos that keep hummingbird collections. I think hummingbirds are one of those few birds, like a penguin, where even if you've never seen one, you know that it's a hummingbird. Hummingbirds thrive in San Diego, but don't exist in many parts of the world. The new habitat offers a chance for people to see the birds up close. And green walls like this will not only enhance the experience for people walking through the exhibit, but it's also better for the hummingbirds that'll live here. Remlinger says keeping the birds on display requires a significant effort. They're not an easy species to keep. They um, eat more often than any other type of bird. They feed mainly on nectar that has to be replenished twice a day, and fruit flies. So we raise fruit flies for them to eat, especially when they're raising babies. And the new habitat will help. Some of the walls resemble pillows. The rugged plastic is translucent, and it traps air in the wall. The ETFE pillows, we call them, are double layer with air in between. And so that also helps us regulate the, the thermal control in the environments. Vanessa Nevers is one of the project's architects. She says the enclosures were designed to take advantage of San Diego's unique environment to help regulate the habitat. She says it's part of the sustainability underpinning of all major projects at the zoo. Sustainable design is becoming more prevalent and much more common practice um, in a lot of areas. Construction manager Amon Farrell says the sustainability discussion was underway long before the first shovel cut into the earth, and the process took everything into account. What we've done uh, now versus years ago is we box trees, we safely put them at a location so we can bring them back in. With the demolition, instead of loading it all up and taking it all off, we separate it into concrete, glass, steel. You know, we take the time to do that. That's all recyclable. Um, and we send it to a source close by. Farrell says the designers, builders and keepers all got together early on in the discussion to see what new habitats would need to serve the animals housed there. For the Komodo dragons, heat is important. Herpetology and ichthyology curator Kim Gray says heat rocks, infrared lights, and even the natural environment will help keep the lizards toasty. You can tell it's a little bit overcast today, a little bit cooler temperatures. In Indonesia, it might not be this cool, so we might allow them to just spend more time indoors in a nice warm environment. Gray says the new exhibit will have a separate indoor area and outdoor space and a nesting area in the back. Gray says that'll give the Komodo dragons a choice. 
These habitats give them that opportunity to be together or not, depending on the animals and the time of year and if they're breeding or not. The new habitats require integrated systems that Farrell says could be controlled by a smartphone. That'll make it easier for keepers to manage the two new exhibit spaces. But that ease of operation masks the challenge of making the habitats work. It's not four walls, a roof. It's not we've done this before. Let's just repeat that construction process. No, we're dealing with live animals, and they all have different needs. And the collection is very dear to us. The Hummingbird and Komodo exhibits are scheduled to be open to the public this summer. And that was KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.